This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, March 24th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Well, while it's good to hear that many parts of the country are reporting dramatic drops in COVID numbers, but at the same time, other parts of the country, like right here in Atlanta, we're seeing spikes in a different kind of number. Yes, it's that time of year when our cars get covered with that yellowish-green powder of spring pollen, and those of us with spring allergies see the pollen count numbers begin to really climb. I haven't started checking them yet, actually, but I don't need to to know that they are going up. And my usually raspy throat is becoming a little bit more than scratchy. On another note, thanks again to Home Team Inspections Adam Long for joining us last week, sharing so much about the brand and moreover their best practices for sustainable growth through sensible franchising. Today we're going to hear from someone who has always made best practices a cornerstone of his career when Paul Wolbert joins us to tell us how franchising found him and when, and to share some of his lessons learned along the way from many data points on the franchise compass, as Paul has been both on the franchisor and franchisee sides of the relationship, has been a hands-on executive on both the operations and franchise development sides of franchising, and can check off just about every single box on the been there, done that bucket list as pertains to working with and for brands in multiple sectors and verticals, from startup all the way to mature legacy brands. Paul Wilbert will join me right here in two minutes or less to talk about all of that and more. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online, and like magic, Zoracle's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk, their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zoracle's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball. But there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zoracle, spot on assessments, based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoracleprofiles.com. Paul Wolbert is a straightforward, out-of-the-box thinker who believes in himself and others. With four decades of experience in franchise operations and administration, Paul has a balanced perspective with a vision from both the franchisor and franchisee paradigms. He began his franchise career working with the most extensive franchise system in the world, has served on several executive teams during periods of rapid growth, and has co-founded several franchise concepts. Paul has a passion for developing new concepts and working with startups 
and early-stage franchise companies and has passion for taking an active and hands-on role advising early-stage franchisors on how to build a successful franchise system from the ground up. He's an accomplished and recognized franchise expert and a frequent speaker at industry events. I'm proud to call him my friend and to have him here as my guest. Paul Walbert, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you, Stan. I uh, appreciate the invite and the opportunity to participate with you today. I look forward to the conversation. I've had friends of ours up, down, left, right, all around the universe on every compass point on the podcast, Paul. And shame on me for letting this go this long, but here we are, and I'm happy for the opportunity as well. All good things take time, Stan, and I knew eventually you'd get to me. You and I go back to, I don't know, the beginning of time. Well, maybe not quite that far, but I always marvel at the few people that I know that have been in franchising longer than me. And so I feel like an old dog, but it's good to know that there are those out there that whether they're younger than me or not, they've been at this for longer than me. So what I ask you to do, Paul, is what every guest does each week, is to take us back to that moment in time and help the audience learn what it was you were doing that connected you with franchising and how that happened and when. As of today, I guess it's a, it's one fewer in franchising because I read about another common friend of ours having a retirement at the end of this month. So, you know, when you made that comment, I started thinking about going back and all of the different events relative to franchising that I've been in involved with. But I got involved with franchising back in the mid-70s, late 70s, not knowing anything about franchising other than the fact that I was working for one of the major burger chains. And I was looking for the opportunity to advance myself out of multi-unit management. And they had an, an opening within their hamburger university. And I applied for it. And while I was waiting for my interview, had coffee with somebody who is responsible for the franchising side at McDonald's. And when I was done with my interview, rather than going for the opportunity to teach at Hamburger University, the following Monday, I transferred over to the franchise department and have been involved with franchising now for 40 plus years. And that was my initial opening or my initial start within franchising. So what were you doing before you interviewed for that role? I was a multi-unit supervisor for McDonald's. I started out as a unit manager. And back then, you know, that was when McDonald's was just red and white walk-up buildings, very few dining rooms, no drive-throughs or anything. And I got involved with doing every new hire that we had in the metro area had to go through what we called window school. And this is where we figured out back then whether they could make change for a dollar, not make change for a dollar. They had to be able to add in their head. And that's where they had the orientation. And so we had a couple of classes a week. And so Saturday was the day that was my turn to actually teach that part of it or go through the initiation for anybody who was coming into orientation, who was coming into the system. And so I kind of liked it and I wanted to expand the knowledge that I had. And I had the opportunity of testing some different equipment that was going to be introduced into the system. And I thought, you know, this would be a great opportunity. And my boss said to me one day, you know, that they have an opening down at Hamburger University. And I said, you know what, I think I'm going to apply for it. And so that was, that's, that's how I got to that point. 
And I was actually working for McDonald's at the time, not realizing that there was ever a franchise side of what McDonald's was all about, but thinking that everything that was there was all company operations. And what brought you to McDonald's in the first place? How did you even wind up in food and working for McDonald's? Flexible schedule. And that's how that's how it got me there. Because my real start with it, I had experience prior to that. And when I got out of college, I was playing some semi-pro basketball and it gave me the flexibility that I needed that if I needed to be off on a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday because we had travel and we had games or something outside of an area, I could take off those days. And I started with them being a relief manager, if you will. And so I was the fill-in guy that would go to a store on the days off or if somebody was on vacation, I would pick up part of that scheduling. And then after I gave up playing ball on that circuit, I actually settled into store management for a period of time. And then from there, moved out of store management and multi-unit supervision. So take us on a bit of a journey from there forward and tell us what came next. How long did you do that? So your introduction basically was on the operational and support and training side. Move us up in time. So I spent nine years doing that. And then from there, I had other opportunities within food. A gentleman that I worked with for, at McDonald's, he always dealt in opportunities. He had left McDonald's and went over to a chain that's no longer and kind of no longer in business, Arthur Treacher's. He went over there. I got involved with operations. He called me up one day and said, I have an opportunity for you. So I went to Columbus, Ohio, and I interviewed. He lasted nine months at Arthur Treacher's, and I lasted nine years and rode that all the way almost to the bitter end. And then from there, moved on, spent a number of years on the food side of things, and then left food and got involved with electronic stores and movie rentals and video rentals from that standpoint, all in franchising, and then had an opportunity to get back into food, and that led me to Florida, where I had come down to Florida to manage some franchise pizza stores that were pickup and delivery. I was with that for five years. We sold out that chain and had the opportunity to move on from there with my background in franchising. And there was a group here which became MFV Mm -hmm. uh, that was doing the franchise shows and actually interviewed with them, got introduced to those folks, interviewed with them and actually sold floor space for uh, International Franchise Expo, First Expo. And I spent a few years with them and then they relocated to New Jersey. I was looking for some other opportunities and got introduced to U.S. Lawns while I was down here and spent 13 years with U.S. Lawns growing that chain. So then I've had a background of food and franchise trade shows, non-food experience from that standpoint, building new chains from there. When I joined U.S. Lawns, there were fewer than 30 operations. I had a great time growing that chain and along the way. Then I had an opportunity to move on from there. And I took that opportunity, did some things with some joint venture folks and some startups from that standpoint. They sold off their company. And I still continued to work with new and emerging franchise groups from that standpoint. Today, I still work with a few emerging franchise groups, but I also work with other franchise groups and the C-level people and maybe recrafting or re-imaging rebranding the brand, if you will, or do some individual coaching with franchise development. So it's taken me on a pretty broad background and given me a lot of exposure at a lot of different levels. So just for the sake of full transparency, Paul, I'm going to take a stab at something. I could embarrass myself, but I hope not, because there are four things that have gone anonymous so far in your run-up to today. So the first, I think, would have been the very first thing you talked about, a good friend of ours retiring. I'm thinking 
thinking that's Madison Job. That is correct, sir. All right, that's door number one. Door number two, MFV, Don Palladino. Correct. All right. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Two for two. You're uh, good. All right, let's go for the third one and see how I do here. U.S. Lawns, Ken Hutchison. Correct. Yeah. And the fourth one I'm going to think would be Gulfstream Brands, maybe Lonnie Helgerson. Lonnie Helgerson, correct. So you're four for four. Now, this is why, Paul, you and I have LinkedIn connections that go 1,500 deep. We know that <laughs> we both know the same team. Exactly. exactly. All right. So exactly. you got us up to the current day, which is what we really wanted you to do. And you've shown that you're one with a tremendous amount of hands-on experience, both operationally as well as developmentally. So which side of the business has been your favorite? You know, uh, my favorite side of it has been the development side. And, the, and that goes back to the fact of I really like to work with people and I like to see them better themselves and I like to see them get to another plateau. You go back to the 1,500 plus people that we're interrelated with. I'm going to say that there's probably two or 300 of those that are people that I awarded franchises to along the way. And even though we've changed logos on the shirts, we have still maintained contact and we still talk on a regular basis. I may be a voice for some of these people just to say, hey, I got an idea. I'm thinking about selling. I'm thinking about not selling. But if they're thinking about selling, you really have the business ready to sell from that standpoint and work with people on what an exit strategy would be. So the development side has been very, very good. And I've always tried to intertwine development and operations because I think that they go hand in hand and in that you want to make sure that there's good operational support that goes along with it. Because when you bring somebody into a franchise, you are working with them and as I've always said, is I want to make sure that your kids go to college. And the only way your kids are going to go, go to college and the business pay for it is, is you're wildly successful and you have a heck of a top line. You have something too that's, I think, a really valuable asset in terms of experience covering both operational and development sides of the business because I've always professed that any franchise system that has been around for any number of years that has operational issues, you need to do nothing more than just peel the onion back far enough to who did you select and what were their expectations when you brought them on board and how different were their expectations from reality or how different might yours have been from reality and accepting them with a blind eye. So I think operationally, any business can really go back to Fran Dev as the root of all things that come, good, bad, or ugly. What do you think? Well, boy, I'll tell you what, I couldn't agree with you more. And the thing I learned while working with real startups from that standpoint is they get distracted because somebody is talking with them and jiggling their pocket and you hear what you think are coins in there, but are they really coins? And you get hungry for the money, not looking at what the other side of that is, meaning this, meaning that you want to make sure that you're selecting the right individuals, obviously, and you want to make sure that the culture matches. You want to make sure that the work ethic is going to match. You want to make sure that they understand that it's an emerging brand. And yes, we are going to make changes. And that's the one thing that's going to be constant. The other thing that you want to take a look at as you're starting new is how far away from your base of operation are they? Because in talking with other franchise executives out there, 
People have turned down deals and I applaud them for it because they've been three or 4,000 miles away from the home base. How do you support somebody from that standpoint? And because if that person isn't successful, when you go to award the next franchise and that prospective franchisee is calling franchisees to verify and validate what the process is all about, you want them to say that this is the slickest thing I ever came across and the support has been top notch and I wish I would have done it sooner rather than later. Words of wisdom from Paul Walbert, who's joined us today to talk about his storied career in franchising, which again, a little bit longer than mine. But like Paul said, along the way, he and I have both had the opportunity to do what I call changing shirts, but collecting people. And the good ones, the winners, the keepers are the ones that you keep holding on to. And Paul, I don't remember what year it was when first we met, but it had to be somewhere around the beginning of 2000s, plus minus. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, yeah, plus minus, maybe 1998, 99, something like that. Yeah. So that's a perfect living example of what I'm talking about with collecting people. Why don't we do this? Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I'd like to talk about some of those things that are currently interesting you occupying your time. We'll talk some about Better Together and WT and how some of those that are in the audience in the emerging stage can benefit from some of the experience that you bring with you and talk more about who it is that you think best is a candidate to be helped by those things that you do. Paul Wolbert's my guest today, and we'll be right back. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zor Forum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zor Forum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zor Forum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Zorforum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive set so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zorforum. Learn more at zorforum.org. That's www.zorforum.org. And we continue the conversation with my good friend, franchising peer and professional, Paul Walbert. Paul, you're one of the few, maybe the only person that I know that doesn't have one but two LinkedIn profiles. What's going on with that? <laughs> you know, I really wish I could have figured it out a long time ago, but somehow when LinkedIn became popular, which was when? Mid-90s, late 90s, yeah, or early 2000s or something, um, I had two of them set up by accident purely by accident. Remember, I was at a seminar one time and they said, well, you need to have a LinkedIn because this is what the new thing is all about. So I created a LinkedIn. And then I had another LinkedIn that was also created for me at the same time, not really paying attention to it. So I've used it to my advantage over the years. And I have tried to combine them, but LinkedIn says no. So when they said no, I figured, okay, I'm going to use one of them and keep one of them for my consulting side of the business. And I'm going to use the other one for 
for some other business that I've been involved with, which is a company called Better Together Brands. But if you come across either one of my profiles, they are both maintained, they are both monitored. You can connect with me through either one of those profiles and I'm going to get the message. So Paul, let's talk about what it is you're doing today and how you split your time because you do have a responsibility to Better Together and Wholesome Tummies and you might want to share a little about that, but it hasn't precluded you from putting a fair amount of time into your consulting side of the business to the benefit perhaps of some of those in this audience. So share with us a little about both. Well, that's a good thing that there's 24 hours in a day because I think I get about 23 and a half out of each day. (laughs) You know, it's about how to schedule and how to make some things happen. So on the consulting side of things, I try to maintain and work early morning hours on the consulting side, along with later at night so that we can work the Better Together brand and the Wholesome Tummies WT Cafe brand during the day. And I started doing that just because there were people that were outreaching to me and saying, hey, can you help me with, or I've got a project about, can you take a look at this? And so I wanted to keep both of those opportunities going. But I started off with WT Cafe or Wholesome Tummies, as it was known about nine years ago. And that was a company that was involved with franchising and catering to school lunch business and the kids side of healthy, nutritious meal from that perspective. And it was an emerging brand and it was a very interesting brand. The problem that we had experienced with the brand is that everything was made from scratch. And when you have three people at every location that are preparing meals, all of a sudden you've got 90 different variations of product that is going out and you lack consistency along the way. And the fact that the business was pretty scattered with the number of franchise locations that there have been. Over the course of time, that business has evolved. The business has evolved to where it is today, which is there's still a few franchises that are operating and are great people and we support them 110%. And then there's also a product side of this. And the product side of it is really where that consistency level comes in. And we have different organizations and different schools that are buying product from us. And so we're really transitioning that company more to be a product-related company. And it's been paying dividends. And I've learned a lot about how to package food and how to make that happen. Let me write an FDD any day of the week and try to get approval for coming out with a frozen product. Hmm. Well, I guess too, that breadcrumb that we may share with the audience here is even a seasoned professional with the depth of experience in franchising can learn along the way that maybe this business is better served serving others as something other than a franchise. So that's, again, sometimes the best things we can impart on an audience of emerging emerging franchisors is some of the things not to do or things to look for before you do to see whether or not you got legs. You know, and it goes back to making sure that the franchisor and any prospective franchisee are on the same page. You know, it's great for a franchisee to say, I really believe in your cause. I know I want to make sure that we're on the same page relative to the cause. But I think franchisors also want to hear that, yes, I want to go out and build a million dollar a year business because that's how franchisors get royalties. And franchisees, if they're involved with a business purely from the cause, they may not be driving as hard to get to that top line. So it's got to be about money no matter whatever else it is. The franchise business is totally interdependent on the Zor not making a nickel or a dime or whatever the royalty may be until the franchisee rings up a dollar. 
So they've got to be money motivated right. as well as cause motivated. But that's an important consideration when you're bringing a franchise candidate in, isn't it? That is 110%, 110%. I mean, everybody always says, follow the money in franchising. You have to follow the money and you have to follow the money because franchisees need to be successful for franchisors to be successful. And it's a lot of work on both sides of the coin. You've got to be able to work hand in hand. Sometimes in more recent times, I've been seeing some of that shift a little in millennials and those that are younger than millennials have mm-hmm. the need to trade in currencies that go beyond money. They're looking for the culture and the cause, as you've suggested. So those right. those still are currencies, but they don't pay the bills, right? You got it. You got it. You've got to work with the franchisee to get to that success level earlier rather than later because they'll go two, three years into a system. And then when it would become profitable in that fourth year, they've given up and they've closed the business or sold the business or abandoned the business, worst case scenario. Paul, how many stages of emerging franchising do you look at? Do you break it down into subsets of franchisors that are just emerging, getting an FDD started and haven't even got their first franchisee yet, or those that may have their friends and family side of it secured and now they're moving to looking for people from outside? How do you classify the subsets of quote unquote emerging franchisors? Because there are tons of definitions. Yeah, I look at it. I look at it first from the standpoint of I'm thinking about becoming a franchise. Forget about the documents or anything. And then you've got to look at that business and and look at, is it sustainable? Is it replicatable? And if it is, then you move to the next stage, which would be investigating documents or getting to that friends and family stage of what needs to happen to further test out the system. And then after you've rolled out the system, and I've worked with a couple of people recently on rolling out a system where it was an introduction five, six, seven years ago. It was conversation. It was, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's get a handful of people together, 10, 12 people and say, what do you think of it? Would you be interested in trying it, testing it? And then actually actually putting the documents together and then actually introducing it as a franchise because it's got to be sustainable and you've got to be able to work the kinks out of it at the beginning rather than always changing. You've got to have that structure in place. It's the foundational element. It's like building a house. You know, what size house are you going to build? Are you going to build a two-story house or a three-story house? Because the foundation you put in for a single-story house isn't going to support either one of those. So you got to get the foundation right. And you've got to work out the majority of bugs before you actually start going into franchising. And then you've got to take a look at that growth from that period of time and making sure then that you've got the ability to change the system as needed so that you can improve so that, as I said earlier, the one thing that needs to happen at new franchisees coming into, especially an emerging brand, is change is going to be constant. But even in an established brand, you've got to have change. I had an interesting conversation earlier this week with a franchise that's been around for many, many years, but they haven't done anything in 15 years to move the franchise forward. It still Hmm. operates the same that it does 15 years ago, and they're wondering why some of the franchisees are struggling or the franchisees aren't growing at an accelerated rate. Well, the marketplace has changed, and you've got to be able to keep on top of the market. Franchisees are said to hate change, and I've always pushed back against that with change is not something that any of us are not dealing with on a day-to-day basis right down to the weather. Truthfully, if a franchisor isn't pushing forward, 
progressively in making changes, I don't think that they are responsible as a franchisor. Because as you said, the market moves and you've got to be where they are. You've got to meet people where they are. Do you think that that should be a, an element of a franchisor's pre-qualification in terms of being a true entrepreneur or being truly entrepreneurial? Oh, I agree with you 100%, Stan. I agree with you. That's got to come up in the conversation along the way in, in order to make sure that everybody's there because franchisors have a responsibility as a franchisees as, as well. And and that means that you've got to take a look at what the market has and you've got to take a look at what the changes are. And I think the food side of the business has pretty well got that ironed out because you take a look at the images of and take a look at how a lot of the buildings have progressed over a period of time. Take a look at the equipment enhancements that have happened over a period of time. But every franchise system needs to be adopting those same things because even though you may be service related and not have brick and mortar, but what does your service vehicle look like? What is the messaging that you're putting on the vehicle? Can't be running the same vehicles and the same messaging that you were doing 15 years ago. It's not relevant within the marketplace. Paul, a lot of people have different definitions of how many units is it that one has to have before he's no longer an emerging franchisor. I've always looked at a formula that was more about royalty self-sufficiency than the number of units you've got. What's that look like for you? What do you look at? Yeah, I look at both. To be honest with you, Stan, I look at the financial side of it is what is the royalty, the amount of royalties that a system is producing versus the number of units that are in there. Because we've both been around long enough, the majority of franchisors that there are out there have less than 100 units. And then if you want to break down that subset even further, that you've got to take a look at the number of franchisors that have less than 50 who have been in the business for more than five years. And there's a surprising number of those that are there. And franchising can't be a hobby. You've got to drive at it. You've got to have the financial wherewithal to continue to make that financial investment and grow the system. But you've got to be able to support the system out of the royalties. And you've got to look at that as a balance. And I agree with you in that I would rather have a system, a small system that's producing a tremendous amount of royalties rather than have a large system of the number of franchisees barely producing the amount sufficient for operational support with royalties. Paul, with the time we've got left, why don't you spend a minute or two sharing with the audience who it is that you think would be best served by a conversation with you? Yeah, I like to deal and I like to talk with people who have been exposed and have started out in franchising who have got two, three years under their belt that are looking to say, okay, now that we've got a basis for franchising with the number of units that we have, how do we take it to the next level? How do we push it up? How do we have that exponential growth in order to get there? And how do we do that on a consistent basis? And I think that that is an area in those companies I get very excited with. And I love talking to people that have those opportunities and love talking to people that have those challenges because been there, done that. And I'd love to do that again with somebody. Paul, if there's a question that I didn't ask you that you wish that I did, can you spend a second thinking about what that might be? You know, you've done a very good job of asking the right questions at the right time. And the only thing I can think of that you might have asked about is, where do you think the Packers are going to be for 2021? (laughs) All right, Paul, I'll bite you, Ted. Go ahead and ask. (laughs) Ahead of the Falcons. That's all the answer needs to be. (laughs) 
you don't have to stretch too far to be right in that answer, I'm sorry to say, but I gave up on the NFL in 2020 and 2021. I may return, but we'll see. The year's had a lot of twists and turns, and for me not to be interested in football, there are some good reasons for that, and some of them go beyond COVID. Yeah, I know. I hear you. I hear you. Well, you know, COVID has been one of those things that the, over the last year has really taught franchising and put franchising in a lot of different directions. You know, there was a time when the only way that you were working and making sure is getting on an airplane, and now from the fact of technology has taken over and you do discovery days with Zoom meetings, you do onboarding with Zoom, you do new franchise training with Zoom. Technology has made franchising that much easier for a lot of franchisors today. True, true. Very true. Paul, how about some contact info besides your LinkedIn profile? You could reach my cell phone. The number is 407-538-5873. You can email me at pcwolbert, W-O-L-B-E-R-T, at gmail.com. Awesome. Paul, I really want to thank you for coming. You're a guy with diverse experience. While we couldn't pin down when it was that we met, I'm pretty certain the introduction came from Brian Schnell. So there's one more shout out for our conversation. There's one more. I'll tell you what, I appreciate all the connections that I've had throughout the years relative to franchising, whether it be through IFA, whether it be through Franchise Update, whether it be through Brian Schnell's conferences that he's had in the past. I mean, there have been tremendous opportunities. And a lot of times it's about the networking. And a lot of times it's about what you hear in the hallways and the conversations that you have over a drink at the bar. You learn a lot and you learn a lot from people's experience, good, bad, and indifferent. And you take that and you use it to your advantage in franchising. With that, I'll say one more good reason to pray that COVID is in our rearview mirror and that come next year, we are all together again at the IFA convention. I want to thank you for putting up with my gravel today, Paul. My usually gravelly throat is being impeded by early spring pollen here in Atlanta. So I'm still in a flannel shirt. It's 45 degrees today, but pollen is on its way and the flowers are blooming. Yes, they are. And uh, look forward to actually toasting and touching glasses in San Diego 2022. Same here, Paul. Thanks again for joining us today, Paul Wolbert. He's the co-founder at Better Together Brands and Franchise Consultant Extraordinaire. Thanks, Dan. Well, that's it for today. I'll be back again next week to do it all over again. But until then, keep making great things happen for your franchisees, yourselves, and everyone in your orbit. Work smarter, hit the gas harder, and punch through whatever might try to get in your way. I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best. The very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.